Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of transfusion from the hematology section on MedBullets.com. Let's get into the topic. Common or minor adverse reactions to blood transfusion include febrile non-hemolytic transfusion reaction, transfusion-related acute lung injury, also known as leukoagglutination reaction, IgA deficiency, and minor blood group incompatibility. Febrile non-hemolytic transfusion reaction occurs a few hours after a transfusion. It presents with minor fever and chills. It is caused by host antibody response to donor WBC antigens. It responds well to NSAIDs, and there is no therapy needed. Also, it causes no hemodynamic abnormalities. Transfusion-related acute lung injury, also known as leukoagglutination reaction, is caused by antibodies in the donor blood against recipient white blood cells. It occurs 30 minutes after transfusion. It commonly causes shortness of breath, and transient infiltrates are seen on chest radiograph. There is no treatment necessary as it resolves spontaneously. In IgA deficiency, there is anaphylaxis against the donor IgA as the patient has no IgA and forms an immune response against it. Immediately after receiving transfusion, the patient experiences hypotension, shortness of breath, and tachycardia. Labs would show normal LDH and bilirubin values, as this is against the IgA, not the RBCs. In terms of treatment and prevention, you would use blood donations from IgA-deficient donors. And finally, minor blood group incompatibility is due to immune reaction to Kell, Lewis, Duffy, or Kidd antigens, or RH incompatibility. This presents as delayed jaundice, poor increase in hematocrit from transfusion, but otherwise asymptomatic. There is no treatment necessary as this resolves spontaneously. Next, let's discuss serious adverse reactions to blood transfusion. This can include ABO incompatibility and dilutional pancytopenia. ABO incompatibility occurs during a transfusion and involves acute symptoms of hemolysis including hypotension and tachycardia. Other symptoms include back pain, chest pain, and dark urine. Labs would show elevated LDH and bilirubin values and decreased haptoglobin values. The treatment would be to stop the transfusion and obtain a sample for direct Coombs test. In dilutional pancytopenia, infusions of RBCs and fluids dilutes the blood cells through plasma expansion and results in pancytopenia. Lastly, let's discuss other effects of transfusions. These include citrate toxicity, hyperkalemia, pseudo-hyperkalemia, and coagulopathy. Citrate toxicity can occur because citrate is used as an anticoagulant in blood products. It chelates calcium and magnesium and is normally rapidly metabolized by the liver. Toxicity may cause hypocalcemia and hypomagnesemia, leading to paresthesias. Hyperkalemia may occur due to the fact that RBCs leak potassium during storage. Pseudohyperkalemia is due to the damage to the RBCs from the tourniquet placement or a lab phenomena. This requires no treatment as it is not genuine hyperkalemia. And finally, coagulopathy may require transfusion of fresh frozen plasma and platelets.
Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. A 23-year-old male presents to the emergency room following a gunshot wound to the leg. On arrival, his temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 90 over 60 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 112 per minute, respirations are 21 per minute, and pulse oximetry is 99% on room air. Two large-bore IVs are placed, and he receives crystalloid fluid replacement followed by two units of cross-matched packed red blood cells. Immediately following transfusion, his temperature is 102.2 degrees Fahrenheit, or 39 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 93 over 64 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 112 per minute, respirations are 21 per minute, and pulse oximetry is 99% on room air. There is oozing from his IV sites. You check the records and realize there was a clerical error with the blood bank. What is the mechanism for his current condition? 1. Preformed antibodies. 2. Deposition of immune complexes. 3. T lymphocyte reaction. 4. IgE-mediated reaction. Or 5. Production of leukotrienes. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, preformed antibodies. This patient with fever, hypotension, and tachycardia several minutes after red blood cell transfusion is having an acute hemolytic transfusion reaction due to preformed antibodies. Remember, acute hemolytic reactions occur most often due to clerical errors and ABO incompatibility. Patients will present with fever, hypotension, tachycardia, jaundice, hemoglobinuria, and oozing from venipuncture sites. Acute hemolytic transfusion reactions are a type 2 hypersensitivity reaction due to preformed antibodies. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, deposition of immune complexes is seen in type 3 hypersensitivity reactions such as serum sickness. Answer choice 3, T lymphocyte reactions are responsible for acute and chronic transplant rejection and are a type 4 or delayed hypersensitivity reaction. Answer choice 4. IgE-mediated reactions are seen in type 1 hypersensitivity reactions due to cross-linking of IgE molecules by antigens. They are responsible for allergic and anaphylactic reactions which occur rapidly and present with urticaria, pruritus, wheezing, and fever. And finally, answer choice 5, production of leukotrienes causes a delayed response in type 1 hypersensitivity reactions. In summary, acute hemolytic reactions occur due to ABO incompatibility and present with hypotension, fever, tachycardia, and oozing from venipuncture sites. And that's all for this review about transfusion. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic.
If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.